Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm in the studio with Andy Green, and we're going to be talking about rock and roll retirements. We may be joined shortly by one of those imminent rock and roll retirees, Paul Stanley of Kiss, who just announced their farewell tour, their second farewell tour, but this one night, I think it's real this time. But Andy, you've kind of been on a tour of rock and roll farewell tours. You've seen a bunch of them recently. Yeah, I was at the launch of the farewell tour that was for Elton John in Allentown a few weeks back, and tomorrow I'm seeing Paul Simon's last show ever, or his final show of his farewell tour. I suppose he says that he'll keep playing a few select shows like here and there, <laughs> which they all say. It's never farewell, farewell, farewell. It's like, no. see you later. And for a lot of these people, it's a means to sell a lot more tickets. I mean, if you look at what Motley Crue did prior to their farewell tour and then afterwards, you know, the sales were dramatically increased. So it's largely a means to sell more tickets. I mean, who invented this? The who? I mean, I think that... Well, Frank who, Sinatra, but... Yeah, but it goes way back. I think the first big arena one I could think of was The Who in 1982, and that lasted seven years. Yeah, The Who are the masters of the retirement tour. Yeah, it was just one, right? Yeah. Well, it kind of... No. In 89, that was also implied that it yeah, was, there was were unions two. Like, like slash farewell. There was at least two farewell tours. Yeah. But the problem is it's kind of fun to pretend like all these retirements are fake still. Yeah. But I think we're fooling ourselves. I think a lot of these people... Bob Seger's leaving. Did we mention that? Yeah. There's Bob Seger. There's Skinner. There's Joan Baez. Yeah, I think that the difference now in the old ones is that these people are now in their 70s. Exactly. That's the difference. It's real now. And I mean, the ultimate example was Rush, who had the most dignified exit of all. They did their last tour, but didn't call it the last tour. In fact, when I did my when I did my Rush cover story, it's interesting. There was a very strong implication that it was their last tour. But rather than sort of push that fact and sell tickets, they actually deliberately dodged it. They all kind of knew it was the last tour. I think that's the most uh, dignified. And, and, you know, they're all alive, they're all healthy, but they just, you know, they're just done. I also point to David Bowie's reality tour, which was never said as farewell, but he was telling people at the time that he thought that was the last one. But it was... Well, I think he decided halfway through, as as we know. But it's end of an era, for sure. Uh, what, What was the Elton John show like? You know, it was the run-through of his biggest hits. It was largely the same songs he's been playing for 40 years, but with a bigger stage production. I spoke to his guitarist, and he goes, look, the fans want these songs, so we're going to keep playing them. And we actually have Paul Stanley of KISS, a rock and roll legend, is on with us. Hello, Paul. Do I sense naysayers? Do I sense skepticism? <laughs> well, we, were, we were talking about other bands, actually, but do, but do let's go. <laughs> do I sense jaded journalists what what what's going on well you know uh this is your it is for kiss this is your second farewell tour and yeah let's put it into perspective and and try to to at least get a sense of what's different the farewell tour took place 19 years ago the farewell tour was at the end of the time that we had brought back the two original members and it was so, it was such drudgery and so difficult <laughs> and so unhappy that it just seemed like, let's kill, let's put the horse down. <laughs> and after, 
and it, it seemed appropriate. And after the tour was over, it didn't take me very long to, to realize I didn't want to say goodbye to the band. I wanted to say goodbye to two members. Sure. So that was the difference is we've had 19 years of the band. The band has never been better, happier. We get along great. I see the guys. Um, the show is terrific. We, we are KISS. But we also, with all that in mind, have just come to to a sense that it, it, it's time to to really think about an end, and the end of the road is is what we what we decided. It's uh, it's it's easy for you know Scrooge or the naysayers to oh they did a farewell tour. Well, you know you've never walked in my my shoes let alone my boots right so so uh I, i'm here to tell you that uh this will be the greatest biggest show we've ever done and the fans will love it and people who have never seen us and have said over the years oh i gotta go see them well now's the time for sure and like we were also saying i mean you know everyone's the People of the classic rock era are getting to a certain age. Now, we should all be as fit as you. You could probably keep going for as long as you want, but it does make these things a lot more real. I mean, it's a point of life where people make changes in their life, and I imagine that's also part of it to an extent. And you have a young family at home. Yeah, but it comes back to it's not a coincidence that there are so many people and so many bands, uh, performers, announcing their retirement or, or farewell. As much as you want to believe an icon is is ageless and timeless, time will prove that not to be so. And uh, it, for a band like us, and there is no other band like us, you don't have other people running around on stage with 30 pounds of gear on or 40 pounds of gear. If I was just up there prancing around singing... Why well, I, I won't name songs, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that would be fine if I was uh, on a, a a Persian rug sitting on a stool playing a Martin guitar. Yeah, I, I could I could do it forever, but that's not the case. There aren't basketball players, football players, or athletes my age out there doing it. So it, it it's I want to make sure that we go out there uh, and fully represent and celebrate everything that we are everything that we have been and uh it's bittersweet but it seems very much the right thing to do now something seems to be going on from the outside uh as far as old members at least with gene gene has appeared with everybody in the course of this uh, box set he was he was selling and he just uh, he just played with Ace and then Gene actually said a few months ago that maybe there could be some situation where the old members you know come on stage and guest they wouldn't wear makeup but they could maybe be part of this what's the the status of that as far as you're concerned I really can't I really can't say again this is this will be a celebration of Kiss and not any individual lineup or any individual members. And um, Gina's having a great time out there kissing babies or whatever. You know. <laughs> um, but I, I, I wouldn't rule anything out. But it, it's not. 
the crux of what we're doing. Got it. It it, it really isn't um, at at the heart or at the uh, center of of what we're doing. We're going out proudly as Kiss. Look, we a few months ago we were in Portugal and Spain playing for anywhere from twenty to fifty thousand people. So we're doing this in all our glory, and we're doing it unapologetically, as I've said, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do it as big, actually bigger than we've ever done it. This this show will be, will, will really dwarf some of the things we've done before. How so, actually? Well, technology and uh, just what will make it different from what we've done before. For quite a while, I would have to say that um, a lot of our stages have really been an extension of the stage before or an elaboration of the stage before. This is entirely new. This is, there, there's, uh, there's not a piece other than our guitars that have been on tour before. Mm. You know, and you gave a, a somewhat diplomatic answer. I just want to clarify so it, it's possible. This is what I took away from it. You can tell me <laughs> whether it's possible that some someone might pop up here or there on the tour. But there's, I think, what people were wondering is, you know, the Stones did a situation where some of the old members, Bill Wyman and McTaylor, and McTaylor were sort of backstage and showed up for a couple songs during their shows. But every single show is that. Are you ruling out any scenario like that? No, but I'm not, I, and I'm not being coy either. Uh, I don't want to mislead anybody. Really, that's not something that's been given a lot of thought at this point. The The majority of our time has gone into what is the stage going to be, uh, what is the show going to be, and we're actually in the midst of uh, toying with uh, set lists now. Hmm. Is there something you'd want to, you're talking about reviving that you haven't played for a while? interesting question always because when when somebody who's a, a rabid fan says are you going to you know are you going to bring in some deep cuts the majority of the people who come to see the band want to hear those songs that are best known right. i always say rarities are rarities for a reason because they're not as good <laughs> if they were that good they wouldn't be rarities so I understand when somebody comes to 10 shows in the course of a tour, but the majority of people show up once every X amount of years, and they want to hear what a band like us has in in multitudes, which is classic songs. Uh, what do we drop? Detroit Rock City, Love Gun, Shout It Out Loud, Rock and Roll All Night, uh, Firehouse, uh, Black Diamond. You go on and on. Uh, I always maintain that if you put on a live video concert of any classic band, I will tell you, turn off the sound and I'll tell you every time they're playing a new song <laughs> because the audience sits down. <laughs> now, I, I, I don't want the majority of the people to have to tolerate something they don't know. And it doesn't benefit the show to, to start throwing in things that most people are going, what's that? This sounds like you had already kind of uh, made it clear that there probably wouldn't be another Kiss album. Is this the kind of nail in the Kiss coffin of the idea of another studio album as well at this point? I I just re I reached a point where I 
had to acknowledge that nothing you do now is ever going to measure up to what you once did because the older songs are tied to a time in your life. They're a snapshot of a time in your life. And that grows over time. Um, We've done songs on the last couple of albums that I will argue are every bit as good as anything we ever did. But somebody hears uh, Modern Day Delilah and goes, that's great, play Love Gun. Right. It's frustrating. And and I, I get it. I get it. But interestingly, also, a song like Psycho Circus, which is now 20 years old, has kind of, at this point, become a classic. That doesn't happen overnight. Um, For whatever reason, songs grow a patina over time, and they they grow a a weight and a gravitas that they don't have uh, when they first come out. So, yeah, you're up against that. You know, to a certain extent, I you know, I was expecting this farewell tour because a little bit of it leaked. You guys smartly trademarked a really good name for it, and it kind of leaked out. On the other hand, Gene was down in Australia playing with with Ace, and you know, and then he he made somewhat mildly rude remark, seemingly. And then I I, I was for a minute I was wondering whether you guys had finally had some kind of problem between you, but I guess apparently not. No, um, look, Gene and I have been together. I think 47 years or, or, or something around that. So look, he's, a, he's out having a great time. He's, he's doing these, you know, most of them are free concerts, and when he, he charges tickets, they don't sell a lot of tickets, and I'm sure he's trying to, <laughs> he, he's trying to keep it light for the, the couple hundred people or whatever, and, you know, and that's great. I'm, I was just with Gene, obviously, day before yesterday, and... Uh, we ha- we have a bond that uh, is enviable, and and uh, I I want uh, I want to I'll always maintain that. I mean, Gene lives down the street from me. I mean, he's, he's literally a neighbor. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, what I what I took away from the little bit of time I spent with you guys is is when you say that you guys are brothers, you really mean that, which is you know that you don't always get along, but something's going. There's something unbreakable in the, in the bond, no matter what happens, it, which is interesting. And it only and it only grows stronger. Quite honestly, uh, it only grows stronger with time. We've we've built amazing lives for each other that neither one of us would want for ourselves. But I mean, the, what we've accomplished is is pretty much unparalleled. So I think we both long ago came to terms with who we are and what we can expect from each other. And and look, our families have grown up. I I just saw a photo of me, an old photo of me holding Nick when Nick was less than a year old. I just saw Sophie a couple of days ago, and she's going to be playing in Los Angeles, and and I'll be there. This is... uh, this is family. Yeah. So we can snit all we want and we can, you know, take take little pot shots, but at the end of the day, nobody would stick up for for him more than me and vice versa. What he specifically did and I, you know, frankly this it didn't seem super fair or nice to me. He goes, "My voice always works. I don't lose my voice. I don't lose my voice, Paul Stanley," which is That's because he doesn't sing. Well, that's I mean, you know, listen, you you have to deal with these parts that you wrote at the very top of your voice, you know, that's incredibly challenging on any night for any singer. Well, you do come to terms over time with your own mortality, and 
every singer that I know, probably the first thing we all say to each other is, is this becoming tougher for you? Or don't you wish you, you know, did you ever think you'd be singing this at this point in your life? Well, that's that's what happens. And, and uh, more and more time goes into uh, whatever kind of care and preparation you, you have to put into. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot recently to to make sure that my voice is uh is in is in is in great form i mean am i am i going to sound if you want to hear me sound like i did on kiss alive then put on kiss alive right <laughs> you know um there's there's a reason why robert plant isn't out there doing what he once did and uh there's a lot of other singers that that i know and and speak to and Everybody's in the same boat. It's uh, if you expect things to be unchanged, then you're not dealing with human beings. It's uh, we're not machines. But I, I will tell you that rather than comparing me or anyone else to who they once were, I think uh, I think I'm standing up pretty well. And whatever times have been low points or tough points in terms of uh, voice. Stuff like that happens when when you've been doing it this long. But uh, I will tell you, uh, this tour will kick serious ass. And anybody who saw America's Got Talent, I think, has a a, a pretty renewed, uh, I guess, uh, confidence. Was that a live performance, or did you guys track it? You know, like the day before and and do it because I know that it's hard to get sound going on on a stage like that. Yeah. So what you tend to do is record it live and that way you know that everything is you know everything is uh, as it should be so you know it, it, it it's not like going into the studio or anything like that it's uh with all its imperfections it's it's live totally and what talk about what what efforts what are you what are you doing with you, with your voice is is it, is it like warm ups and exercises is it, is it that kind of thing to get ready for this tour I'm shutting up and not talking to guys like you too often. <laughs> That's um, smart. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you you can warm up. You can. I'm doing like heat therapies and. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. All kinds of um, ultrasound and, and wow. you know, light therapies and stuff, just to to keep the cords, you know, keep the they over time. Yeah, they they swell, they get irritated, all kinds of things. And uh, for me to 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 go out and embark on what we're going to do, I want to make sure that uh, things things stay on an even keel. We're we're not a band that does one show or two shows a week. We're not a band that has some guy uh, on keyboards doubling what I'm singing, you know. Sure. Um, there, are, there are certainly some singers out there now who you go, ah, he sounds really good. Well, look at the keyboard player. He sounds really good, too. <laughs> exactly. Paul, what does multi-year mean? How many years are we talking about here? Um, I'm, I'm laughing. Uh, 
I really can't say. We we want to play everywhere <laughs> that we've played in the past, and that's a lot of places. So it's a, a big world, and uh, we we plan on going everywhere that we've been. So it's certainly more than a year. Uh-huh. It, it could be two. could be three. It's, uh, nobody wants to spend seven days a week on the road. Nobody can. So, yeah. Uh, it uh, it's a it's a a big mountain to climb, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun climbing it. Have you thought about the final show? And and also, I, I will say, some people like Paul Simon are on a farewell tour, but he also said there might be you know a show here or there after the end of it. In your mind, is the last show of this tour sort of the last Kiss show ever? You know, I can't even look that far. <laughs> I really can't. There, there's there's so much before we reach that point. The the thing that was most important was for us to look at each other and go, guys, let's let's see the end of this and and let's know that we're going to do it in full glory and and as best we can with the most memorable show we can. Now, what's the the sort of emotional? As you said, you're a long way from the actual end, but. Having an end in sight, announcing this, this has been part of your life for so long. Is there a, an emotional aspect to this? Are, are you kind of grappling with the with what it would mean to finally let this go, that there could come a day when you never put on the, the Starman makeup again? Well, you, we're going to have to do another uh, broadcast at the uh, end of this so we can yeah. <laughs> and talk about that. But I don't, I don't know, but I also know that that person... And who I am is is always there, so it, it's uh, it will never leave because it's who I am. So I I don't know. I really it's it's a question that uh, I can give you a whole lot of uh, gibberish. I really I I don't know. I don't know. I I just know the reality that um, you know, you can play beat the clock, but the clock always wins. So it's just uh, a matter of acknowledging the the obvious for us and that that's that it 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 needs to have some sort of finite end to it on a completely side note some of i'm sure this is much less interesting to you than than a lot of the fans who are obsessed with this guy but Vinnie Vincent, who we once we talked about years ago, who had you know disappeared into the shadows, is is that is going to be playing shows? He's back. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you do you make anything of that? No. <laughs> Period. It means nothing to you. No. Okay, but uh, I wanted to actually jump on a few songs if you don't mind. I, I, we never talked about. I had I had on the show. We were talking about uh, how Bon Jovi got Desmond Child because I had Desmond Child on the show, and obviously it was through you. And uh, I was made for loving you. You play practically every night, and there's a, there's a legend about that song, which is that part of it was you wanted to prove how easy it was to write a disco hit. Is there any truth to them? that? That's really uh, an oversimplification. I, I I didn't do it to prove anything. It was really me spending time at Studio 54, which really was not Saturday Night Fever. It wasn't a bunch of people in white suits doing you know, dance steps together. It was like a den of inequity. inequity. Uh, <laughs> but it was uh, a place where all the music was 126 beats per minute right? so that they could cross from one to the other crossfade. And 
a lot of the, the, the lyrics were always about the now, about tonight, and about immediacy. And uh, I just remember thinking, I can write that, not, not, as a, not as a challenge or not as a statement of, gee, this is real simple, but more, more a, a, a project. I, 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 like, I like trying things, uh, whether it was that or writing Hard Luck Woman, after hearing Mandolin Wind and, and You Wear It Well and uh, Maggie May, and I went, I could write one of those songs. <laughs> so uh, I, I like challenges, and I, I like, like pushing the limits of what I can do or just seeing what I can do. And let's hear I Was Made for Loving You for just a moment. Now, Paul, did you ever hear this uh, Bruce Springsteen song, Outlaw Pete, that a lot of people thought had the same uh, little uh, sort of refrain in it? I was born in the... the, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, but look, there's only so many notes in a scale. Yeah. And uh, to to before that ever happened, how about Blondie? How about um, Call Me Run and Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't uh, claim to own that any more than Standing in the Shadows of Love. Right. So, sure. Fair so, enough. And God forbid anybody. You, you don't want to take Bruce Springsteen to court. That, you, know, you might as well like jump on the on the sword. <laughs> the other thing about that song is there's a session drummer on there, isn't it? So Peter was not up to snuff in, in attempting the the disco beat. Uh, Peter wasn't on that album at all, except on one song, I believe that uh, was a song he sang. So he wasn't on uh, on Dynasty or Dynasty, as they call it in in. England and Australia. He wasn't on that album. So you were talking a little bit about the production on the tour. To a certain extent, is it undecided? How much you know you want it to be big? How much do you know about what the the show will entail as a show? I've seen I've seen uh, diagrams, and and uh, suffice to say, it's it's different and it's uh, kiss worthy. Look, it, it's it's no. It's it's no secret at this point that Kiss DNA is in every band live show you see. I don't care who you go to see. It's based upon pretty much the premise that, that we built. And not surprisingly, when our crew isn't with us, they're out working with other bands. So we wanted to make sure that we went out with something that was uh, dynamic and powerful and fresh, but didn't uh, get lost in technology and bring sterility where there was, you know, passion. So it'll be a great show. Visually, it's a, it's terrific. Uh, lots of moving parts, great songs, and uh, all the people involved with great pyro, uh, new new stuff. You got to remember too that when we first started using pyro there were there, there were no licensed pyrotechnicians we had arsonists <laughs> that's right you had, you had you had a great line in your book that there was a, a very fine line between pyro guys and arsonists in the 70s so yeah you know <laughs> you hired a guy who liked to blow shit up what well, were there close calls as far as danger with all that all that stuff going off back in the 70s you had to respect 
what the flash pods were at that point because one night they would sound like a popcorn fart and the next night they would you know they would blast a hole in the stage so you just kept a kept a distance and uh between that and the smoke you just you never really knew what you were going to get were you ever injured i was injured let's see how i once ran into a railing on stage and cracked a rib which <laughs> was an occupational hazard but uh no i i i i had a a cinder from a a, a some sort of explosive burn burn my face but other than that no it's been it's been pretty smooth sailing considering that i fly over an audience on on a metal pole with a hoop on the bottom of it i i've done pretty well i'm pretty unscathed i think now is when you're supposed to knock wood actually okay i i i will i'll knock my guitar now You've done some singing, and you put together this band, Soul Station. It's kind of a soul R&B uh, cover band that I've seen YouTube clips of, and it seems like a lot of fun. Is Do you have a sense of your of a post-Kiss musical career? Would it include something like that? Would it include more solo work, or, or would it possibly be a full retirement? What, what is your thought? Right now, I, I have two gallery shows this weekend, so art takes up quite a bit of time and is amazingly successful. So... I'll continue doing that. But Soul Station, everybody in the band, all 13 of us, we just have a ball. These are people who have played with Stevie Wonder and Smokey and Natalie Cole and Whitney Houston and The Temps and on and on and on. And what we love so much is being able to recreate and and reproduce with respect and reverence a lot of great material that just isn't isn't done. You, most of it you get to hear a clip of in a rap song, but um, sadly it's 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 not around the way it once was. So for us to be able to do that is is a, a gift to us. So when when we're doing the Delphonics or we're doing the Stylistics or the Temps or the Spinners or Blue Magic, it's it's thrilling. We. We were in Japan last year and did, uh, I think, 12 shows in six days and just had a ball. And I'm in, I'm in touch with everybody all the time. That's all, all we talk about is, is, is doing more. So that's really my roots as much as, as much as Led Zeppelin and, and, uh, bands like that. I was lucky enough to see Otis Redding. I, I saw Otis. I saw the Temps. I saw Solomon Burke. Wow. So that that really that music is as much a part of me as anything. So when I get a chance to be a part of something like that, it it's thrilling. It's glorious. So yeah, do I want to continue with Soul Station? Absolutely. There's loads of things to do. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I, I wanted to get back to the the genesis of, of the end of the road tour because you you know again the the name kind of slipped out a while ago. Was there an actual discussion where you and Gene sat down and said, listen, it's time to uh, talk about how to close the book. It's time to talk about a farewell tour. How, how did that actually come about as far as a, a talk between the two of you? Just like that. Yeah. Just like that. Uh, at some point, maybe you want to address the elephant in the room. You know, it, it, uh, it only makes sense because of the nature of what we are. We're not a band of guys in jeans and sneakers standing on stage playing we're 
We're we're athletes. We're we're there's nothing like we're Superman playing a guitar. <laughs> so yeah, at some point you look at each other and go, How long can we do this the way we want to do it and how long can we do it and love it? And I think uh you just if you're smart you you plan so that you can make the most of something rather than just kind of like fade off into the you know, into the sunset. I I, I didn't want that to happen. I don't want to suddenly after a tour go, Oh, we're not we're not gonna let let's call it a day or or have a year go by and we go nah and then another year goes by and we go nah. No, oh, I I'd rather I'd rather take the victory lap. Yeah. We, you know, we beat the odds we kicked everybody's ass. We outlived the naysayers, and yeah, I, I want to go around and high five everybody around the world. <laughs> and that'll take a while. But you decided to to call it to call it a farewell tour because it, it would be very unkiss to just fade away. But have you thought about? We we mentioned the last show. How right. about the last song? What would you like the last song that you play on stage with Kiss to be? Just to just to push you to that place. Um, I'd like it to be really long. <laughs> uh, I, I would imagine the last song we'll play is rock and roll all night. Uh, that is so anthemic and, uh, connect, connected to us in, in, in that it really became a rallying cry and a battle, a battle cry. So I will, will imagine that will be it. And, and, one minute I'll be smiling, and the next minute I'll be crying, and uh, that—that's the meaning of bittersweet. It's—it's—it—it—it uh, it, it will touch all all the emotions and press all the buttons. Maybe maybe Gene will cry. Is that imaginable? Have you ever uh, seen that happen? Um, yeah, he he, he likes <laughs> to cry. He likes to cry in interviews now, but I I I, I think we'll all. Look, we've we've all had our moments uh, when we really take a look at what we've done, and even recently we, we've we've spoken, and and uh, it's not uh, uncommon to get you know a little little misty eyed looking back at what we've done. When I met Gene, I lived at home. So did he. Yeah. We we, uh, we started started this with a with a dream and a, against all kinds of odds. And with a determination and a, and a work ethic that that wouldn't take no for an answer, and I continue to live by that in everything I do, and I, I urge everyone else to. Absolutely, and and finally, Gene had said over the years that he could imagine a future where there's a a version of Kiss that actually has no original members that it, it kind of clones itself and and goes off into the future. Can you at this point? picture that as a as a sequel to to what you guys are currently doing um i can i can i can i i can imagine a kiss show because i think at some point kiss transcends its members and already has so could i see that happening at some point i could i could but nothing that i i I can foresee in in the near future, but why deny the the world something 
That's that awesome. <laughs> well said. Paul Stanley of KISS, thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking with you again. Likewise. Always good. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. I always enjoy talking with Paul. We know each other from my Kiss cover story, and he was uh, great and, and pretty entertaining, I thought. Yeah, it was very engaging, but poor Vinnie Vincent. You'd think of anything. <laughs> well, I realized I realized after I asked him about Vinnie Vincent that Vinnie Vincent has made the mistake recently of trying to trademark some kind of Kiss. Uh, big mistake. Vinnie Vincent's Kiss. It has Kiss in it, and that you just don't do that. It's, no. it's, it's not smart, and you, especially these guys aren't going to let that fly. So uh, no. I, that was, I think, what that reaction was about. I didn't realize that aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, I know that either. But Andy, without indulging in the cynicism that that Paul uh, hilariously accused us at the yes. beginning, you were saying you were pointing out in the break that in general, without talking about a kiss, it, it's obviously advantageous from a, a ticket sales standpoint yeah. to uh, announce a farewell tour. Yeah, if, it creates an urgency. Yeah, I think about Motley Crue that they reunite in 05 they have packed arenas. Then each passing year, it gets smaller and smaller until they're playing casinos. But they say farewell, and the fans all think, oh, God, this is the last chance. Then they're back in arenas, and it can last for years. It's the ultimate way to get people that are on the fence to buy tickets. I mean, listen, people do this on a micro level all the time. It's the classic final area show, and then they add yeah, two more shows. You exactly. know, it's, just, it's creating a sense of urgency. Yeah, I think lots of people now, and especially that ticket prices are so high, that they see somebody is in town, they go, oh, I'm not sure about that. I, I've seen that a lot. You know, because lots of these people have been playing the same show now for decades. Yeah, no, and, and it's like the Pixies. They reunited yeah. a long time ago. It was so excited when they first reunited. I'm sure they're still playing great shows, but yeah. it's tough when you're in the Pixies and you need to entice people to continue coming to see you. Yeah, if you don't do it, you become like the Steve Miller Band or something where it's always there, it's always at Sheds, but there's no real interest in it because it's just been the same thing forever. Um, so this just juices sales in a huge, huge way. But at the same time, and this is a big, become a running theme that there is this generational thing going on. The, these guys and uh, women, uh, Joan Baez, for instance, has announced mm-hmm. retirement. It's just the cycle of life. They're they're heading off stage. Yeah, the the Stones seemed so old in the '80s and '90s and the early 2000s, but they weren't that old yet. But now in their mid to late 70s. Well, no, it's this classic <laughs> thing. I forget if I've ever talked about this on yeah. a show, but there's this amazing picture of the Traveling Wilburys. And this kind of yeah. breaks my heart a little bit. So the Traveling Wilburys, when they recorded their first album, and someone put their ages in all of them, and they're all like 42 years old. Yeah. It's, 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 that, it's mind-blowing. They, they, these guys were not old. Yeah, it's weird. I always think about Jerry Garcia, how, how when he died, he was younger than Eddie Vedder is now. Yes. I mean, there also is, uh, you know, sort of modern health innovations and also <laughs> yes. not, not not mainlining uh, heroin and Ben and Jerry's mixed yeah. in a slurry probably yeah. <laughs> also, also tends that, to help you. All that is true. But at a certain point that even if you factored all the modern medicine and dietary things we know about now, like 76 is still 76. It's true. I mean, listen, I, I've, I've seen what Paul Stanley, for instance, you know, he, he, he can uh, sort of outweight lift a lot of people younger than him. I, I know that, you know, Max Weinberg is sitting at home doing vigorous workouts every day just, uh, you know, on the off chance uh, Bruce calls him. So these, these guys can, I think it's, you can maintain it until you can't. Yeah. And, you know, even Mick Jagger told me, you know, I said to him, people feel like you're going to be doing this forever or you're going to live forever. And he's like, I won't, you know, so yeah. th- th- there will come a day. Yeah. And if you think of Bob Seger, 
He's 73. He's had major back surgery. He still smokes cigarettes all the time. He like chain smokes all day long. It's like this is the last tour. He can't even stand up and he plays guitar now because his back hurts him. So he sits. I mean, I'm sure the secret tour is the last tour. But you saw the Paul Simon tour on an earlier yeah. date and, yeah. and literally what Paul Stanley was describing, if he could just sit there and play guitar, he could do it forever. Paul Simon could probably do it another decade easy, right? There's no nothing's really failing there. No, I think that's true. But I think partially it's a business thing. He's back at Rena's now. It's the first time he's done that in a very long time. He has been a theater act when he doesn't have Garfunkel for a very, very long time. And I think he's I, I think he's just tired of it. Just being on the road just for for that much of his life, he's tired of it. It's like they say, you either announce your retirement or you get Garfunkel. Those are the things, those, <laughs> yeah. are, those are the choices you face in life. Yeah, that, that, yeah, which is basically true. And it's sort of a shame that the last show ever is tomorrow, and Garfunkel is not going to be there. Yeah, art, uh, art must be the saddest of all about this, about this whole situation. But it's it is the end of Paul Simon. Maybe he did not say it's the end of Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, sure. Maybe art can appear on stage with Kiss. Yeah, and, and Ace Freely can get on stage with Paul Simon, and then everyone will be happy. So. That has been today's show, I guess, Andy. We were, we've okay. been talking about rock and roll retirements. We talked to a imminent rock and roll retiree, Paul Stanley, who, who said that the, the Kiss Farewell Tour could last at least two years. He didn't rule out three. So that could be, you know, it could be going on for a while. But we'll be back next week here on Sirius XM, Channel 106. And in the meantime, at 1 p.m. on Friday. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.